Lord, we just thank you right now that your presence is in this place. Thank you, Lord, that you change lives. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us. Amen. Why don't you just lift your hands like this right now. Say, Lord, just come. Come, Lord, come. Come and touch me like you touch Lawrence. Come and touch me like you touch countless others that walk into this place and leave changed. Holy Spirit, come in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, it's it's quite profound. I'm Julie, by the way. Those of you who don't know me, if you're visiting, I am the, well, you're the better half, really. So cute. But anyway, I'm here and, and I, I'll be the counterpart. I'm the helpmate. I'm the other half. You know, it just amazes me when I speak to people, you know, we talk about stories and people's stories and we get to hear so many stories, but I never, ever get sick of stories. I never, ever get sick of people's lives because each life is so precious. Every life here is numbered by God. Every person here in this place is known by God. He knows when you wake up in the morning. He knows when you go to sleep at night. He knows your thoughts before you think them. He knows what you're going to say before you speak it. And every day of your life is written in a book. And he keeps tally of your life. He's interested in you. He's watching your life unfold as he turned the pages of his book that he's already written it in. Even the bad days that you go through, God knew. God knew it was going to happen and God was there and he loved your story. And so many people, out of all the people that I talk to that come into this house, the main thing people say is, I felt something. It was really weird. Like I just got to the car park, I haven't cried for 10 years, said this one lady, and I just burst out crying in the car park. And I didn't even make it into the building. And then when they did the altar call to the front, I just found myself coming to the front. I didn't understand what I was doing or what it was all about, but I just knew that I could feel something, and it was good. And many people, countless, countless, countless hundreds of people would say the same thing. If I was to go throughout this auditorium right now and say, what was it that brought you here? What was it that drew you here? And what is it that keeps you here? You'd probably say, it feels good. There's something here. This isn't just a building, although it's a building. You know, this isn't just a church service, although it's a church service. But this is a place where God dwells in his anointing. Amen? And we hunger for that anointing. And we work for that anointing. And we live for that anointing. We live for the very presence of God. Isaiah 61 starts like this. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. You know, as believers, that we are actually called and commissioned to carry something. That we're called and commissioned to have the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord upon us. That we would be anointed to bring something to this world, to bring something of light and love and glory. That feeling that you feel when you walk in here, do you know that you can take that feeling with you? 
and you can take it back to your workplace, you can take it back to your home, you can take it to the supermarket. Do you know how many people that he makes cry in supermarkets? It's, it's profound. I mean, he just starts everywhere we go. And I do too. We just talk to people wherever we go and God gives us words and we just start speaking into their lives and God shows us things and they just go, how did you know that? We just go, because the spirit of the Lord God is upon me and he has anointed me, amen, to preach good news. He's anointed me. And if we go back and just have a look here at Luke 24 and 49, we'll put it up on the screen there. Jesus said these words. He said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father. Who knows what the promise is? Yell it out to me, somebody. The Holy Spirit. Behold, I send the promise of my Father. And listen to this, what it says, Upon you. Upon you. But wait. In Jerusalem until you are clothed in power. Amen? See, Jesus wanted his disciples to be imitators of him. He didn't want just a bunch of guys that knew some rules and regulations about a book because there was a whole church of that around and it wasn't doing much good. No one was getting healed. No one was getting saved. No one was getting delivered. No one was being changed. The poor were still poor. The prostitutes were still prostitutes. The tax collectors were still tax collectors. It wasn't doing any good. And so he got these guys together and girls and he said this, I want you to be imitators of me. In fact, I want you to represent me on the earth. Now I've bought something here from the Father. It's a promise. It's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the difference between a normal man and an unnormal man. The Holy Spirit is the difference between a natural man and a supernatural man. The Holy Spirit is the difference between a supernatural woman. The Holy Spirit is the one that's going to make the difference. And Jesus said, see, I have the Holy Spirit, but when I go to be with my Father, I won't leave you as orphans. I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit. And he will teach you all things. He'll teach you everything you need to know how to walk like me. Because I just don't want another religious system. That's what I came to bust up. That's what I came to blow up. That's what I came to, to, to destroy. I destroyed that temple. Amen? But I have come to bring freedom to the captives. Liberty to people. I have come to bring grace and mercy and forgiveness and salvation but I want you to be imitators of me. And to be imitators of me, you need to wait until you are clothed with power. See, Jesus had something that made people follow him and run. What was it? Where crowds were drawn? Yes, there was miracles. There was stuff. But Jesus had power on him. He had an anointing on him that was tangible. Why would a prostitute run after him and risk her life and throw herself at his feet? You're my last chance. You're my last chance. 
She's thinking, you're my last chance. I see something on you. I see something in your eyes. I see forgiveness in your eyes. I see something on you. I see something on you that you can forgive me. See, in the Old Testament, we see in Leviticus about 16.4, in the Old Testament, we see that there were priests that went before the people to the presence of God. Amen? So the people couldn't go to the presence of God. The presence of God was behind a great big curtain in the Holy of Holies. And the priest would have to get himself prepared for a year, sanctify himself, cleanse himself, keep himself from sin. And then just before he would go into this place to offer sacrifices for the people's sins, he would have to completely change his clothing. He would have to take off his street clothes and he would have to put on sacred clothes. To go into the presence of God, he needed to be clothed with something. Amen. And do you know what? That, you know, we see that this was, was written out by Moses, how they should dress. It was given by God to Moses. There was very specific clothing, very specific detail. But you know, it went right down to the underwear. Because it's like you can't come into the presence of God with any hidden thing. You might want to change your outer clothing, but you've got to change it right to the hidden places and come into the presence of God. And so this priest, he would go in, he would offer sacrifices for the people's sins. And if he had any sin on him, if he had any blemish on him, he would just drop dead. And they had like little ropes tied around their ankles and tied around their robes. And they would just drag the dead body out. Next. Pretty stiff. And see, then Jesus comes. Jesus comes, the great high priest. Jesus is the high priest. And Jesus says, no longer will a priest have to go in and make sacrifices to the people. I will be the sacrifice. I will be the spotless lamb. I will shed my blood willingly for the sins of mankind, for the sins of the whole world. Jesus went sinless. He was perfect in every way. He did not deserve to be punished. And yet he took our punishment upon himself. And he went to that cross knowing full well as a high priest, he was going to go before the very throne of God and pay the price, the ultimate price, empty his blood completely, so that you would be forgiven. And so from that day on, from that moment, that cross, that very day, until now, until we go to be with the Father, that cross is still the power of forgiveness and salvation. That high priest is still at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you, praying for you right now. The price has been paid. You know, the Word of God says this, that you or we are a royal priesthood. What? You know, it's sort of, sort of weird when I go in to talk to people and, you know, someone's serving and say, oh, what do you do for a job? You know, and I just go, well, you can't say you're a pastor because they think that they can eat you for Italian lunch. They totally don't understand that. Say, so I'm a pastor. Huh? You're a pastor? You mean Italian? Don't get that. 
So I have to say, I'm a minister. And then they look at me kind of really weird. It's like, I just, I keep my collar in my bag. I don't wear it in public. You know, it's just like, you know, they, they just don't understand. But the thing is this, you see, I'm a minister of God and I've been chosen to be that, but you are too. We are a royal priesthood. When Jesus died on the cross, why is that? Because when Jesus died on the cross, the temple curtain was completely ripped in two. And the presence of God came out to live in you and me. And so right inside me here now is the Holy of Holies. Right inside you and me is the holy place of God. And when he says you need to be clothed in power, you need clothes that cover and make a way for that holy place to be. I was listening to a song this week and it says, Here I am, I am a garden, and I have prepared a reservoir for you in the very core of my being, in the very centre of my being. I've created a reservoir for you to come and dwell and be in my garden. See, right now, the Garden of Eden is in you and it's in me. The dwelling place of God is no longer in a tabernacle or a temple, but it's in you and it's in me. And that's why Jesus said, wait. Wait until you are clothed with power. Wait until the Holy Spirit breathes on you, that the very glory of God will come and live in your very being. And so when you go out clothed in this clothing of power, You see, it's as if you're taking a whole temple, a whole tabernacle with you. And the people recognize it, but they don't understand it. And they begin to open up, they begin to weep, and they begin to share their hearts with you because the very glory of God has just walked into their world. You see? Unfortunately, you know, there's a brand of Christianity that the scriptures talk about it. The scriptures say this, that they have a form of godliness, but deny the power therein. You know, we can do all the right things. We can read our Bibles. You know, we can, we can, you know, we can be, we can be outwardly adorned. Do you know what I mean? But have you changed your underwear lately? in the presence of God? Have you gone into holy of holies, to that holy place where you are completely clothed with new clothing in the power of God from head to toe? You are completely clothed. It's, I read this other song, like Jamie did a recording for me before she went away. She said, Mom, because I'm always saying, have you got a song? I need to worship. I need to pray. I need music. Please put some on my little phone MP3 thing. I don't know how to do it. Can you download me something so I can listen to music? And so she just burnt me off this CD with a whole bunch of worship stuff. And I've just been in the presence of God with that. Thanks, Jamie. But there's one song that she says, she says, I don't want to waste my life living from the outside. I want to live from the inside out. And there's something on the inside of each one of us as priests of the living God that is so much more powerful than anything that we can portray on the outside. I don't care how beautiful you are, how fit you are, how muscly you are, how smart you are, you know, how talented you are. 
I, I don't really care about that stuff. I've come to care more about what's on inside of me. And I want to live from the inside out. I want the glory of God inside of me to permeate every part of my being. You know, David prayed, Lord, may every fiber of my being unite in holy reverence to your name. Let every part of me. Jesus has paid a price. His blood was shed so that you could live like this. You know, it's not just a great thing to have anointing and power on you so you can touch other people. It's good to live like this. This is a good lifestyle. This is exciting and vibrant and alive and clean and fresh and free. It's the best life. It's my best life. It's fantastic. You know, I've got written here, if we neglect the place of waiting, you know, it says wait until you receive. If we neglect the place of waiting in prayer and in waiting on God, what we do is we present cheap imitations of the real thing. And Phil was saying that this morning, you know, he thinks, that's Aussies want something real. You know, fair dinkum, mate. Let's be fair dinkum. Let's get real about this thing called God and church. You talk the stuff, but you really have it. You know, just this week, my mom rang me and I said this morning, if you weren't here, you know, my mom is just an incredible woman of faith and she's had melanoma just attacking inside her body now for about seven years and she just stands in faith and she tells every doctor and every nurse it doesn't matter God will heal me you don't understand I serve a healing God and she carries the anointing with her to the hospital and she goes where they're all having chemotherapy she goes in there she says great God's given me a way into these people and they're around they've got their needles in they're having chemo and she goes around hugging them and kissing them and all the nurses come to her and the nurses are crying. They're going, oh, Jill, I'm not married yet. Can you pray for me? And she's got all these people around her. But the good news is this. She was, she was diagnosed with melanoma again, and she had this huge tumor on her eye, on her eyelid. It's about like that big, right? Huge. And so much so that the melanoma got into her eye and she went blind and it pushed her eye right down in here. And so she's just, and they said, look, we might as well just stitch your eye up, right? Because you're never going to see out of that eye again. It'll be more comfortable if we can just support that tumor because it's just like really heavy for her and really painful. And she said, no, 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 you don't understand. I won't have to live with pain for much longer because God's healing me. And besides, if you stitch my eye up, how are you going to know that he's healed me? And so, so she's dead in faith. You know, within about three days, she was just taking Panadol. And they had her on, they, one day I rang up, I said, Mom, she said, oh, they gave me these new painkillers. They're really, oh, it was like morphine, you know. She's on morphine. It's like, woo, this is good. And, uh, but a few days later, I said, how's the morphine? She said, no, I'm on Panadol now. It's Panadol, you know. And she, then she's done nothing. And so she went back to the hospital this week. And they said to her, we don't know what's going on here, but that tumour has shrunk 75%. Yeah. The eye has come back into the socket and she can see better than she could see before. She doesn't even need glasses on that side anymore. 
and God is just doing I, I felt it. I couldn't believe it. She waited till Christmas to show me. She had this patch on her eye. She said, come here. I wanted to show you in person. She pulls the patch off the tumour. You can't even see it. It's flat. And so, and she just said to the, and the nurse said to her, oh, it's lucky they didn't stitch her up. She said, I told them. God is healing me because she's got something upon her that people recognize and that there's a power that is not a false promise, but it's real, mate. It's fair dinkum. It's real stuff. And not everybody gets healed, but, you know, God works in mysterious ways in those situations. Even if we don't get healed, he still ministers to all those people around us, still pours love out on people, still witnesses to people, still gets you into those places where there's hardcore people that need love. Amen? It's so beautiful. And this is what Phil Pringle says this. He says this. People fail to respond to our evangelistic efforts because we are spiritually impotent inappropriately attired. The clothing of business, administration, family life, anxiety, mental noise and cluttered spirit prevent real spiritual effectiveness. You know, in Isaiah 61, I was saying before, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, but it also says in Isaiah 61 that we can actually put off garments of heaviness, drowsiness, violence, and we can put on garments of praise, garments of joy, and garments of humility. It's actually, you can actually get clothed with stuff. Anybody ever been to, you know, one of the, what about one of those new age kind of places? And all the incense is coming out the door as you walk past, and you just, I hold my breath. It's like, you see? And um, I used to teach Gemma little tricks like that, you know, because there used to be these new agey guys that would throw these balls and do juggling to try and get you into their new age shop. And when Gemma was little, I'd just say, watch this, Gemma. And I'd go, in the name of Jesus. And they'd drop all their balls. And, like, oh. and Gemma, oh, that's good, Mum. Can I try that? Sure. And he starts juggling. And Gemma goes, in the name of Jesus. And then, so they drop all their balls. So we cut their contact off. And, Amen. And the demons flee and they can't juggle anymore. But, you know, that's good. But have you ever been in an atmosphere where you just feel like you're getting clothed with something? And you've got to put, you, you know, you come away from a situation or maybe a movie. You've been to the movies, you sat there for two and a half hours and you're clothed with something. And you come out just feeling really bad. And you've got to take it off. You've got to take it off. You've got to get off that garment of heaviness, that garment of depression. You've got to get it off and you've got to put new garments on of praise and joy and humility. How's that done? How do we get old garments off, put new garments on? Wait. You've got to wait. There is no other way. There is no cheap, quick place that you can get the anointing. The anointing is not purchased with money is not purchased with good works. The anointing is purchased with time. And you've got to wait. You've got to wait. In the environment of waiting, the Spirit just fell on the whole early church. In the environment of waiting, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and went out and 3,000 were saved on that very day. And they went to places where their shadows would actually heal people as they walked past because they decided to wait on God. There's something so powerful in waiting. 
in getting something on you, in waiting. And then what happens is that we become the answer and not part of the problem. Anybody want to be an answer around here and not part of a problem? And if we do this regularly in our lives, it becomes a natural part of our lives. At first, you know, Benny Hinn says this. Benny Hinn says, you know, you've got to work for the anointing at first because, you know, it's all that clutter in your head and all the stuff and all the things and all the mess in your head. You've got to go and you've got to be still and know that I'm God. You've got to find that place. You've got to find that place of rest and peace and intimacy. Amen. But if you do that on a regular basis, you'll find it's much quicker. You know, it's like, you know, it, they liken it to husband and wife relationships in the Word of God, you know, Christ and His church. You know, and if, if I'm not intimate with my husband on a regular basis, it's real hard. It gets really, you get distant, and all of a sudden you're like, you know, I've seen marriages where they're just two people living in a house together, they're just friends. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, there, there needs to be that regular time where that couple come together in intimacy and reignite that love and that passion in their hearts where they're just, the whole world's just locked out and it's just those two. And that's what it's like with Jesus, you know. That's what it's like with the Holy Spirit. If you can lock the whole world out, and just get in that secret place and let the Holy Spirit come clothe you and come fill you and come upon you in power and clothe you. Just come here for a minute, John. Just give us that for a second. I want to show you. Yeah, John Rigstad. Ringo. Come here. Yeah, come here, John. I just want to show him something. So this is my friend, John. Everyone say hi, John. John is one of the hottest bass players in Australia. He used to play in a band with me. And see, this is what happens. See, John, you come up here, John. You know, John's just like... In North, you can leave your shirt on, it's alright buddy, I'm not asking you to do anything like that. But he's just in normal street clothes, right? And then he's just like a normal bloke. And he's just got normal struggles like every other bloke has got on the face of this earth. But then he comes into the presence of God and the Holy Spirit comes around him. And it says, the scriptures actually say that, that we're actually clothed in salvation. And that we are clothed in a robe of righteousness. So every filthy thing that John has ever done in his life, the minute he comes into the presence of God, he is clothed in righteousness. He's clothed in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes around him and cocoons him in light and washes everything clean. Amen? Do you understand? Do you understand, John? You take it off again. You can have it. You can take it home. Take it home. Take it home. It's all yours. my last point but it's really important to me this point because this is this is the scripture that I've been just birthing in the spirit and in Zechariah chapter 3 we see in Zechariah chapter 3 let's read it and then he showed me Joshua the high priest now just imagine you're a priest okay you're a priest Jesus has just told you that you're a priest you can read it in Isaiah 61 that we're all priests that we're all ministers Okay, as well. And so it says there, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. Now, whenever you see in Scripture in the Old Testament the angel of the Lord, it means Jesus before his earthly ministry. 
Whenever you see the angel of the Lord in capitals, L, Lord, that's Jesus. All right? So here's Jesus here. And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. Yeah, next one. Can you keep going? Have we got more? Oh, the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. And then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin and I will put rich garments on you. Then I said, put a clean turban on his head. And so they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. And the angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. Just one more verse. This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you will walk in my ways and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have charge over my courts and I will give you a place among these standing here. Thank you. That is a powerful, powerful, powerful picture of what Jesus has done for you and me. As priests of the Most High God, we have been chosen. We are people that have been snatched from the fire. Some of us still smell a bit like smoke, amen. We have been snatched from the fire. And then we come in and we give our hearts to Jesus. We've got these filthy clothes on. We feel dirty. We feel unclean. And then Satan is there ready to accuse us. And before Satan can even open his mouth to accuse us, there is one who stands. He's called the Son of God. He's called Jesus Christ. He's called the Mighty One of God. And he stands as the great high priest. And he says this, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord who has chosen Graham. The Lord who has chosen Leone. The Lord who has chosen Mark. The Lord rebuke you, Satan, because you've got nothing on him. You have nothing on her because my blood. In Hebrews 4, 17, it says, By now we can come boldly before the throne of grace because of the precious blood of Jesus. The great high priest has gone before us. You know, and there's times where you just feel like, you know, you, you, you were great last week and it was all going real good. And then you go to go into God's presence and the accuser is waiting there. He's saying, look at your filthy clothes. Look at you. How can you come into God's presence? You're filthy. You can't come in here. And there's Jesus standing there. Boldly. Boldly you can come into my presence. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Get clean clothes. Holy Spirit, come. Clothe this one in power. Clothe this one in salvation. Clothe this one with a robe of righteousness. Cover them over so that they can come boldly before my Father wrapped in light because God only dwells in light. Amen. You can come boldly before the very very throne of God. The word of God says submit to God resist the devil and he will flee. He has nothing 
on you. It's not according to your righteousness. There is a price being paid. The debt has been cancelled. The price has been paid. Your slate is clean. And every time you come before the throne of grace, forgiveness is waiting for you again and again and again and again. And there is no end to this forgiveness. There is no end to this well of love. There is no end to this river of grace. It's never ending. It's eternal. It's forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Jesus said to the adulterous woman, where are your accusers? Look around you. They are no more. And Jesus says to you, where are your accusers? Look around you. They are no more. He's prepared a place for you. The very glory of God. It's on the inside of you. And he waits for you to come in to his presence and be clothed in power. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Jesus, for your anointing.